everyone welcome back to my channel and a dark fairy tale in a rather strange forest in a world unknown to humans lived a fairly small fairies called diana like most fairies diana was kind considerate and always happy to help as you probably already know fairies possess magical powers Tales say fairies can create gold from nothing, summon monsters and even change history. I don't know how much of that is actually true, but even from exaggeration, you can imagine fairies are powerful creatures, despite some of their lack of height. However, it's important to note that fairies were not selfish with their magic. They healed sick mothers gave courage to heroes, led starving folk to food, tricked devious trolls, and also helped lost children find their way home. Fairies were particularly helpful and caring towards children, not for vindictive reason, but because they have a natural desire to protect the small and innocent. During times of hardship and war, the presence of a magical fairy had life-changing effects on children. The fairies never asked for anything in return. All they wanted was to help and bring smiles to children's faces. As you can see, fairies are incredibly kind-hearted. Throughout history, they have been a divine presence, a bright light in a dark world. But times have changed since then. For the last century, fairies have been forbidden from leaving their home. Instead of helping children, fairies were expected to be content with just helping other fairies. However, Diana was not content. When she was a youngling, barely the size of a bean, she dreamed about venturing out to help humans. She did not see why fairies stayed hidden in their sanctuary, keeping their powers to themselves. When there were people out there in the beyond who would benefit from her gifts. Every day after she completed her task, Diana would fly up the tallest tree, sit on the tallest branch where she could gaze out into the distance. She would imagine what it would be like to fly out and assist needy folk. In the past, as soon as a fairy wings were strong enough, they were expected to leave their home and travel the world. Diana's precious wings flickered with excitement at the thought of leaving, but she knew it was not possible. Fairies are not allowed to leave. At sunset, Diana began the flight to her family's house. On the way, she came across Mother Fairy, who was the wisest and strongest and perhaps the plumpest of all fairies. Diana, why do you look so glum? Mother Fairy asked. For a long time now, I've seen you plagued by unhappiness. Tell me what troubles you so I can help. Dear Mother, Diana sighed. I yearn to go out into the human world. My ancestor brought happiness to children and made their greatest wishes come true. I want to do the same. I want to help. Mother Fairy took Diana's hand. It's Diana's, but, you know, 
Sympathy glittered in her eyes as she said, I understand the unrest you feel. It's in our nature to act as guardians to those who need, but it's not safe to leave. Why isn't it safe? I know I'm forbidden to leave, but I've never been told the reason why. Please, please tell me now, Mother. A spell of sadness overcame Mother Fairy, and she decided to share the truth with Diana. She hoped the truth would expel the young fairy's desire for the outside world. Mother Fairy floated around Diana as she told a tale. The world changed and it became a dangerous, dangerous place for fairies. And, as the world changed, so did children. They are no longer in need for our magic. We decided it would be safer for all fairies to remain behind our walls. But that was centuries ago, Diana said. Perhaps the world has changed again and there are children waiting for our aid. I could go and it's certainly not. I forbid it. Mother Fairy tapped her staff on the ground like she was announcing a proclamation. I won't risk the life of a fairy just so you can go quench your curiosity. Diana held back her tears. Mother Fairy held an arm around her. I understand. I was like you once. I wondered and yearned for the world. The world outside. But you must accept the truth. The world has changed. And we, we have to change too. Use your wonderful wings and your marvellous magic for the good of our kind. Your desires will ease away soon. I promise. Mother Fairy smiled. And Diana smiled too. Until Mother Fairy flew away. Diana wished she could forget her dream and be like other fairies, but she was so convinced that this dream and desire would never leave her. That night, as Diana watched the fireflies and listened to the songs of the forest, she knew she had to go to human world, even if it was only for a day. In one single day, she could see the world for herself and finally silence her whispering temptations. If she were able to help one child, she knew that one good deed would make her content forever. So that's exactly what Diana did. Before the sun rose, she flew through the land of fairies and made it to the border. She didn't even glance back to say farewell. Diana knew she would be back before anyone noticed she was gone. Spreading her wings, she soared over the walls and through the veil. Within an instant, she felt the fresh wind breathe upon her face and she flew into a bright blue sky. She did not dare blink. She did not want to miss a thing. Tears streamed down her cheeks as she gazed at the green fields, the trees, the rivers, the paths and the houses. She had seen old drawings by fairies, depicting what the human world looked like, but those drawings now looked amateur in comparison to the grand world she saw around her. There were some things she did not recognise, such as strange metal towers and long ugly lines hanging through the air, which seemed to cackle like the beginning of a thunderstorm. Diana flew for almost three hours before she remembered her purpose. At the next house she found, she glided down and landed on a painted fence. Playing in the garden, surrounded by wooden toys, was a small boy.
Diana watched him. It was certainly different than the pictures she had seen before. His cheeks were round, pinkish in colour, his belly bulged out of the sides of his pants, and his hair was cleanly combed. From his height, he was probably seven, eight, maybe nine. Diana tried to guess. He grinned as he played with the toy soldier. He held it up in the air like it was flying. As Diana sat perched on the fence, she wondered if there was anything more she could do for the boy. He already seemed happy and content. She was about to fly again when she decided to fly over to the boy. She wasn't sure how far it would be until she found another child. It would be a shame to not at least say hello and see if there was anything she could do to aid him or help him, of course. And Diana flew over and landed on a tulip close by the boy. And she tried to say hello. Excuse me, hello there. But of course, the boy was looking round, but could not see Diana on the tulip. Then, she shouted, I'm down here, and waved and smiled, so the boy could finally see her. What are you? the boy demanded. Any fear had now disappeared that was in his face before. My name is Diana, I'm a fairy. Then she curtsied politely. politely. A fairy. Fairies don't exist. They're made up for kids. Little kids. Diana smiled. She wanted to tell him he was only a little kid too. But she fought against it. She didn't want to upset him. Instead, she said, If they are made up, then why am I standing here? I am as real as you are. Really? The boy crossed his arms and frowned. Maybe I'm asleep. I'm in a dream. It's all a dream. Diana did not really know what to say to that. She presumed all children knew fairies were real. She never expected. She would have to persuade them otherwise. The boy wiped his nose on his sleeve and mumbled. Mum says things are only real if you can touch them. That's why the monster under my bed isn't real. If I can touch you, I can see if you're real or not. Diana shifted uncomfortably. The boy was much bigger than her. And she didn't like the idea of being poked or prodded. But if it persuaded the boy she was real, it'd only be temporary discomfort. Very well. Diana nodded. So the fairy reached out her hand and the boy stared at her for a moment. Then lifted his arm and pressed the tip of his chubby finger against her hand. Diana smiled as the boy's eyes widened and so did his smile. His face was alight with amazement. You really are real? Yes, Diana laughed. I really am. The boy chuckled. Wow, this is amazing. Before Diana could say anything, the boy snatched her up in his fat fingers. Diana froze with terror. His fingers squeezed around her body. Please let me go. You're hurting me. Diana squeaked. Tears fell from her eyes. The boy suddenly opened his hand and Diana collapsed onto his palm. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hurt you. The boy watched her worriedly. I only wanted to have a closer look. It's fine, Diana gasped. Her entire body ached, but she knew he didn't mean to cause her any harm. She stretched her wings. The boy had bent them, accidentally of course. Her precious wings slowly returned to their natural shape. She stood up and smiled. See, no harm done. Those are beautiful. 
boy gasped at her wings. Thank you, Diana blushed. She was very proud of her wings. They were a constant companion. A fairy's wings made it possible to soar through the sky and venture to different worlds. Like a bird, a fairy's life depended on their wings. Without wings, a fairy would just be a tiny speck in a vast, dangerous world. Can I touch them? the boy asked. And before Diana could even respond, he reached for her wings. Diana leaped out of the way and pressed her wings against her back. No, Diana said firmly, you cannot touch my wings. They're fragile and precious to me. A fairy only ever has one pair of wings. If I lose them, even my magic cannot bring them back. Okay, fine, the boy sulked while he pulled his hand away. His eyes remained fixed on Diana's wings. She tried to ignore it. Remember, he's just a child, she said to himself, standing on his palm. Diana looked up at the little boy and said, I've travelled many miles with single hope to make a single child's wish come true. Is there anything I can do for you? You can make any of my wishes come true, the boy asked. Yes, indeed, Diana nodded. If you are hungry, I can summon food. If you want to be smarter, I can improve your intelligence. Anything you wish, anything. Diana nodded. So the boy pressed his lips together. If I wanted to have your wings, could I wish for them? Diana flinched. She took a step back on the boy's hand. Well, no. They are my wings. I need them to go home. But you said I could wish for anything. Anything I wanted. The boy glared at her. You could not wish for anything else, surely, Diana said nervously. Look, I can bring you the bestest cake you've ever eaten. I can give you the bestest clothes. Or perhaps I can. I don't want any of that. I want your wings. No, Diana was surprised by the anger in the tone. And this was... And it was, wasn't how, how it was all supposed to play out. I've already told you, you can't have them. Before Diana could react, the boy grabbed her wings and hauled her body up into the air. Her wings flapped and struggled like a fly caught in a web. I said, I want your wings, the boy yelled as he tore Diana's wings off her back. Bones snapped, flesh tore and blood spurted out. Diana did not scream, but something inside her did. The boy let her fall down in the cold, harsh grass. She lay still, not moving, barely breathing. The toy soldier, the boy had thrown earlier, seemed to stare into her eyes with a familiar broken emptiness. The boy ignored Diana as he gazed and prodded at her wings, and he muttered, They're so pretty. Suddenly the wings cracked and shattered into thousands of glittering pieces. Diana watched as shards fell into the grass. The wings she had worn since the birth were gone. She would never be able to fly again. She would never be able to soar beside the birds. She would never be able to go back home. The last thought burned right into her spirit. Right into her. Oh no! The boy screeched. I broke them. He stamped his feet and cursed. Same words inappropriate for his age. And suffered his tantrum. Then I watched the wind drift through the grass. Carrying those tiny fine shards of her winds away until nothing retained. Absolutely nothing. Diana struggled to her knees. Her body felt cold. But something terrible burned inside her. 
Something truly terrible. Something she'd never felt before. It burned her heart. It burned her eyes. It burned everything. She thought the grass would set alight if she were not careful. It's not fair, the boy spluttered as he kicked the ground. As Diana slowly rose to her feet, the boy snapped. I want another pair of wings. I already told you. Diana's voice was soft. No anger. No frustration. A fairy can only ever have one pair of wings in their lifetime. And you broke mine. The boy swore and crossed his arms madly. His furious features softened to realise. That didn't count as my wish, and I still have one wish to use. Right? Of course, child, Diana said. She lifted her head, her eyes gleamed with an unnatural violet. Tell me your deepest wish, and I'll give it to you. Hmm, he closed his eyes and thought. I've got it, the boy said. I've got it. I have to sleep with mum and dad, because I'm so scared. I want to wish my fear away. That sounds like a terrible fear, Diana said. She stood straight, wincing in pain. Do you know that most fears gradually disappear when you have to face them every day? I don't want to face mine every day, the boy gaped and piped up. I want it gone now. Very well. Diana smiled, but first I must tell you one thing. What's that? As a fairy, I must make your chosen wish come true. It's the rule. However, I can decide exactly how your wish will play out. Yes, yeah, so or what? Diana chuckled. Her body should have slightly, slightly. Are you sure you don't want to be afraid of the dark anymore? Yes, that's my exact wish. Are you deaf, fairy? Are you deaf? Please kneel and lean down towards me. The boy kneeled and lowered his head. He asked like this. That's perfect. I can reach you perfectly from here, Diana grinned. Now I'll make your wish come true. With a flash of magic, magic a needle appeared in Diana's hand. She stabbed each of the boy's eyes, plucking them out and throwing them into the grass. The boy shrieked, clutching his empty sockets as blood dribbled down his cheeks and chin. Why? he screamed hysterically. Why did you do this? You don't want to be afraid of the dark anymore, Diana said coolly. She wiped the blood off the needle. If you live every day in the dark, your fear will eventually dissolve in time. You will no longer be afraid. You took my eyes, he wailed. You took my eyes. Yes, I did, Diana scowled. You should be careful what you wish for, little boy. Of course, by the time the boy's parents ran outside to see what all the fuss was about, Diana had limped to the fence. She passed one of the boy's bloody eyes and nudged it down a hole. She hoped it would make a tasty snack for a pest. She watched the parents try to comfort the boy, whose eyes were lost. Now Diana understood why fairies never travelled out anymore. In centuries past, children appreciated the appearance of a kind fairy. Fairies could cure their hunger, loneliness or misery. The world had changed and it seemed as though children did not suffer such ailments anymore. Instead, they possessed an insatiable greed. A greed that had cost Diana everything. Without her wings, Diana knew she would never be able to return home. It was doubtful that she would ever see another fairy again. She was trapped here. She closed her eyes and accepted her fate. If she was going to be trapped in a human world forever, she would simply have to remind children that fairies were to be respected, or they would have to be taught a lesson.
the end. And that is called A Dark Fairy Tale. Very different indeed and very interesting. I like how it turned out. An eye for an eye, so they say. Many blessings. Hello everyone. Welcome back to my channel, Wisteria here. I wasn't sure on what I actually wanted to do next. I decided I wanted to do Drac von Stella collection or Stoller. Drac von Stoller collection. And this is Curse of the Evil Fairies Fort. Patrick and Sophia O'Brien were direct descendants of a cursed family. When the tales of fairies were very much real and feared among many Irish families abroad, this is when they were cursed. Patrick and Sophia only knew of the tales that they were told by their parents and were not directly affected by the superstitions. They didn't believe in any of them. Patrick and Sophie would joke, you know, about the evil fairies that lived on forts just miles from where they lived. The children's father would tell bedtime stories to their children. Seamus, that was, one of the children, of course, Niall and Anne. The children often had nightmares about fairies, taking their souls and coming back as a changeling to torment their family, then die after that, with their parents never realising that it isn't actually their child. As the children got a little older, their fear of fairies seems to fade away. One day, the children got the courage to take a trip, let's say, to the fairies. They wanted to find the fort and put their concerns to rest about these evil fairy tales their parents told them when they were too young to distinguish between fantasy and reality. Seamus was the older of the three children and the bravest, so it was evident that he would be the one to lead them through the evil fairy's fort. Anne, well, she was the youngest and usually the most frightened, but she knew her older brothers would take good care of her. They wouldn't let anything happen to her. The children proceeded to sneak out of the house when all of a sudden their mother, Sophie, stopped them dead in their tracks and said, Where do you think you're going? The children replied, To riding our bikes through the trails. We'll make sure we'll be back before sundown. Their mother said, Please be careful, and you better all be back for dinner. Seamus replied, Don't worry, Mum. We'll be right on time for dinner. That's a promise. Okay, now hurry along. I made cookies and hot apple pie for dessert, said Sophie. The children got on their bikes and pedalled down the road to the evil fairy's fort. Finally, after about an hour of riding down the road, they reacted their destiny and made a change. Towards the evil fairy's fort, of course. There is no such, such place, said Niall. Look at this place, it is creepy looking. I definitely wouldn't want to live here, exclaimed Anne. Well, since we're here, who wants to go first, said Seamus. I do, replied Neil, spelt N-E-I-A-L-L. It is Neil, though to look at it you would think it were Niall, but it's Neil. 
Neil entered into the fort and felt as though someone was watching him. Is anyone feeling that feeling right now? said Neil. And Seamus laughed at Neil. All I feel is a cool breeze. Nothing unusual, laughed Seamus. Anne chimed him and said, Neil, don't talk like that. Are you trying to scare me? I don't want to be scared and I'm not scared and you know I scare very easily. No, I'm not kidding. I felt like, like someone is watching me, said Neil. I want to go home, cried Anne. Oh, it's probably nothing. Let's stick together. It's best to do that. Not separate from one another, said Seamus. Seamus laughed and said, I don't believe this is a fairy fort. Then Seamus found a metal pipe on the ground and started shouting and swinging its metal with great force descending to the evil fairy fort. Seamus was in for a big surprise. Each swing on the metal pipe against the fort just angered the fairies even more as he started to smash it against the fairy fort wall. The evil fairies had seen enough, and it was time to let these kids know and teach them a lesson. All of a sudden, there was a blinding light so bright it lit up the whole fort. The children couldn't find their way out. They were very frightened. All the children could hear were evil fairies' voice telling them their souls were being taken right before their very eyes. And when they return home, they will be changelings. The evil fairy explained to the children that when you return home, you will whine and screech and consistently irritate your parents. Also, you will have an appetite that can't be satisfied. If any one of you survive, you will be rejected by all fairies and you will no longer belong to your parents. If you die, your parents will never realise you aren't their child. Now go and do your evil deeds because your souls no longer belong to you, laughed the wicked fairies. The bright light diminished. The fairy vanished before their eyes and the possessed children left the fort, got on their bikes and headed for home to torment their parents. The children's eyes were red as fire, hearts pounding out of their chest and whining as they pedalled their way back home. Now that evil thoughts were in their minds, they were ready to turn their once beloved home into a demon house. It was getting dark outside and their dinner was getting cold and the parents were worried sick something terrible might have happened. And, well, they were right. As the children approached their home, Sophie was looking out of Anne's bedroom window on the second level of the house, hoping she would see the children on the way and that they would show up very soon. Sophie said, Look, I can see them, but something is wrong. Am I imagining things? Her their eyes red as fire. And I can also hear a whining noise. Her husband got out of the chair and came to the window. Do you see what I see? said Sophie. No, I do not. You're just imagining things, said Patrick. I know what I saw was not my imagination. Our children's eyes were red as fire, and I could have sworn the whining came from them, said Sophie. Nonsense, said Patrick. What you need is to calm down, and when you see the children, 
their eyes won't be red, and they won't be whining either. You're just letting the evil fairy superstition get the best of you. As long as we've lived in this house, we've never encountered anything out of the ordinary. And especially, well, there's been no evil fairies lurking either. Not in the woods, and not out there, not in here, not our house. Now let's drop the whole thing, and you'll see I'm right, said Patrick in a stern voice. The children got off their bikes, ran into the house, sat down at the dinner table, and tore into the cold food like a bunch of wild animals. Sophie and Patrick ran down to the stairs to confront the children as to why they were so late. Before they could scold the children, all three children turned their heads towards their parents with eyes red as fire. They started whining and screeching and screeching and whining. What is wrong with our little darlings? cried Sophie to Patrick. Is this some joke? It isn't amusing, said Patrick. He was getting angry. I want you all to get up from the table, go into the living room, and I want some answers, said Patrick. What's the matter, Daddy? Don't like the way your little darlings are acting, laughed the children. Daddy, why don't you and Mummy go to your room and don't come out until we say you can? Giggled Anne. That's it, you're all grounded for a week, yelled Patrick. The children, children just laughed, threw their plates on the floor, ran upstairs to their room. Sophie started crying, saying the fairies have stolen their souls and I'll never, I'll never get them back. What will we do, Patrick? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give them all a good spanking. That's what I need to do. I'll learn them a lesson that way. <clears throat> I am very upset with them. Very upset, said Patrick. And as he did, his voice was getting angrier and angrier. Patrick, my darling, please don't spank the kids. They are changelings. And now that we see with our own eyes the tales our parents told us, we were children were true. Well, we would have stopped this from happening. We should have, before it got this far. Patrick, let's lock their doors. And in the morning, call the priest to bless our house and perform an exorcism on our children. Maybe this will bring our children's souls back from wherever the fairies are keeping them. <clears throat> we want to live as normal, not like this, not like this. Surprise, now you know an exorcism should be out of question because everyone that has ever, ever come in contact with the evil fairies has rarely survived and there's about a 1% chance of survival. And if they do survive, then they are shunned by the evil fairies and their own families. As much as I hate to say this, there is no cure for children like this. And we'll probably be burying them. All, all of them, by the end of the week, said Patrick. No, I won't let you talk like that about our children. No, there has to be a way out of the curse and I won't rest until I find a cure. Okay, then Sophie, go ahead and do what you need to do. But in reality, you will see that I was right all along, said Patrick. Sophie stomped out of the room and slept on the couch the remainder of the night. She prayed and wept all through the night that God would intervene and save the children's souls. She wanted them safe from the evil fairy's curse. All that was heard in the O'Brien's house 
that night was whining and screaming at the children's bedroom doors. Finally, morning came. Sophie got in her car and drove as fast as she could to beg her preacher to go to her house and save her children from evil fairies. But the curse was too strong for any mortal to break. As Sophie's car sped down the road, she noticed something very, very wrong. As her vehicle passed the houses on her street, her car wasn't making any headway. All the houses were the same, and she just ended up in the same spot, right in front of her own house. Sophie stopped her car, put her head in her hands and wept uncontrollably. Sophie's husband walked up to the car and knocked on the driver's side window, and Sophie rolled down the window. Patrick asked her, what's going on? I thought you were driving to bring a preach to the house. I was, but as I was driving down the road, I got nowhere. I kept seeing the same houses on our street. It's as though some force was keeping me from getting to my destination. I know I was gone for over an hour, and you can't tell me this is as far as I got, cries Sophie. Sophie, I don't know what's going on, but get out of the car and let me go and get the preacher, said Patrick. Please hurry, Patrick, there's not much time left. Patrick sped off down the road as Sophie was walking up the steps to the front door of the house, turned to wave goodbye to her husband. The car exploded, killing Patrick instantly. Sophie ran down the steps, screaming and screaming at the top of her lungs. Why did you evil fairies kill my Patrick? Sophie dropped to her knees and asked God not to let the fairies harm her children. If you want to take someone, take me. Please, please don't take the children. They've done nothing to hurt the fairies, cried Sophie. But Sophie was wrong about the children. They did anger the evil fairies because Seamus destroyed the wicked fairies' fort with his metal pipe. Though to them it did not look like it was being destroyed, it actually was. The evil fairies forewarned her children that if anyone desecrates their fortress, they will surely die along with any family members. Sophie's whole world came crashing down in 20 hours. Sophie said to herself, If I don't get a grip, I'll surely lose the children too, and I don't want that to happen. Sophie ran back to the house to call the police, but all she got was a busy signal. So she ran to the neighbour's house to use their phone. Sophie knocked on the door, and an evil fairy answered the door and said, It's too late. The children's souls, they are mine. By the time you reach them, they will all be dead. Then you will be taken back to the fairies' fort, where you will be locked inside forever as an evil hag. I will let you see your children as they take their last breath. Then you will be whisked away to the evil fairies' fort, where you'll spend eternity as an evil hag to scare off any intruders that try to defile the fort. Sophie's tears were, pour tears were pouring down her cheeks as she walked inside her house to see her children for the last time. All she could hear was their whining. Sophie decided, since she lost her husband and was going to miss her children and spend an eternity as an evil hag, she wasn't about to give the evil fairies this satisfaction. So she went upstairs to her room, opened the top dresser drawer and pulled out Patrick's revolver. 
then loaded the gun, went to the children's room, kissed her dying children on their foreheads until there was no life in them, then pointed the gun straight at her head. She pulled the trigger. Sophie fell to the ground. The O'Brien family was no more, and after the townspeople found out what had happened to the O'Briens, the townspeople built a concrete wall around the evil fairy's fort to keep out curious lookers. Finally, the townspeople could rest easy and not have to live in fear, wondering when the evil fairies would wreak havoc on their town. The end. And that is the full story. Um, I like how the shot like that looks kind of good. Of the evil fairy curse and the evil fairy fault. Thank you for listening and many blessings.